0: Good morning. Good to see you guys. Well, hey, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name is Adam, and I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, today we're going to wrap up this series we've been in for the last few weeks called You're Not Listening, because you you guys have been listening during this series. And after this, you're going to be perfect listeners. You won't need any of this information again. Um, But it'll always be online, so you can go back uh, when your wife makes you re-listen to it, and uh, you can catch up there. Um, But uh, we're going to wrap that today. And then next week, I I wanted to tell you, really exciting. We're starting a brand new series. But in addition to that, a lot of cool things in the month of June. And one of the things that I want to just let you know is that all of our services uh, starting in the month of June will be indoors. So right now, we've had an 830 service outdoors. That's going to be moving inside. And so we'll have 830, 10, and 1130 all inside. And uh, because of some of the regulations that have shifted you no longer need to RSVP uh, for our services. And, uh, and because of the way that vaccinations are going, um, masks are going to be optional moving forward. And so um, all those things will be happening in the month of June as we launch into a brand new series called Little Foxes. And uh, I'm not even going to tell you what it's about because it's more fun just to make you wonder. And, um, and we're going to be jump-starting that next week. But this week we're going to wrap up this series. And I want to encourage you to take some notes Write down some things that stand out to you, that uh, seem interesting to you, or maybe you're just kind of like, man, I want to think more about that, or that's something I want to talk to somebody about, whether I agree with it or not. I think that's one thing that taking notes is really ha- handy for, and the title of my message today is, That's Enough. That's enough. That's, seriously, that's enough. Um, my, uh, my grandma has this weird superpower on my dad's side where she, man, it seems like almost ever since I've known her, she's been partially deaf, or at least she pretends to be. We're not really sure. Anybody have, like, an elderly relative that you're like, are they really, or is it just their shtick, where it's just like, I'm old enough that they might think that it's real. No one's really been to the doctor with me. I know how to fortify, like, forge documents or whatever. And so my grandma, she has this weird superpower where she's both simultaneously sort of deaf, and she can't understand you when you're in the room with her, and you're talking really loud, and you're trying to explain things. She's like, what? Huh? But if I'm in one room and she's four rooms away, she can eavesdrop on that conversation and give me advice. That doesn't seem right, right? That's not, like, like hearing doesn't work like vision, right, where you're like nearsighted, farsighted. It's not the same with hearing, right? It's just like it goes or it's there. But, according to my grandma, like she and, and it gets given like rise to these weird situations with her, where so many times my grandma has like chimed in we 're not even talking to her we 're having a conversation in another room i, I remember there there's this one time I was talking to. My, my sisters, they'd all come over. My wife and I, we just got married. We moved into our first apartment, and we were having our family over to see, like, our first place. And I'm in the kitchen, like, showing my sisters the kitchen, and my grandma's in the living room. It's, like, literally down the hall, past the bedroom and the main hallway bathroom, and then there's the living room, and it's this giant, like, space. And I'm all the way around the corner in the kitchen, and we're talking about the fact that, like, I need to get a new computer and I'm talking about this with my sister, and I'm like, yeah, da da and I was thinking about this, and she's like, oh, don't do that. And my grandma chimes in from the other room, and she's like, nope, no, nope, nope. Uh, what you need to do is, and I'm like, is she talking to us? Is this, is this for us? And so we kind of stop, and then she's just like, Adam, and I'm like, yeah, and she's like, what you need to do is get you some low-fat snacks, put them by the computer, And I was thinking the same thing you're thinking right now. What does that have to do with anything? So I'm like, what? And she was like, get you some low-fat snacks, put them by the computer. And I'm like, what? And she was like, you were talking about getting fat. And I'm like, I was not. No one, literally no one was talking about getting fat. I said, I wouldn't do that. Apparently, you want to talk about the fact you think I'm getting fat. Now we all know, as well as everyone else who lives in this whole complex, knows you think I'm getting fat. And we all now know the solution. Get some low-fat snacks. Put them by the computer. My sister and I, like, we, uh, like anytime my grandma can't hear something, we're, we always just repeat this phrase back to her. It's been, like, 20 years now, but we still love when we're just like, hey, grandma, we're going to go out to eat. And she's like, what? We're like, get some low-fat snacks. Put them by the computer. And she's like, oh, you kids. She gets all mad at us. Like, you brought this on yourself. She always does this. This is, like, just a staple of her. And, like, I remember in that moment, like, the only way to stop this conversation was literally my uncle putting his hand on her shoulder and just being, shh, that's enough. And we all had this sense of relief of, like, oh, it's over. And it's not because, like, my grandma's a bad person it's not that we don't like her. It's not that she's not intelligent or she doesn't have like great things to say. It was just that like the things that she had to share didn't have anything to do with what we were talking about at that moment. It wasn't helpful to the conversation at hand. And it was like a relief for it just to stop. And in this series, you know, we've been talking about the importance and the power of really leaning in and listening to people. But I do have to tell you, like, there are certain things and maybe even certain people that you need to stop listening to. And I didn't want to go through this whole series without just taking a time out and and pause and saying, like, and if you haven't listened to the first three messages, go back and listen to them. But talking about the value of really how we don't really hear the people around us and how we go through most of our lives really ignoring and missing out because we're so distracted on what the people around us are really saying and why it matters, but there, there, there are certain voices that are just not helpful and healthy. You know, last week we said that, that to listen is to give your focused attention to. Like, it's different than hearing, right? Because you can hear uh, while being sort of disengaged. But to really listen is to give your focused attention to something. But certain things do not deserve your focused attention on a regular basis. And in fact, if you give it to them, It'll be harmful to you. So the question is like, what are these things? Like who who are these people? Like why why? How? Right? Like multiple questions actually. Like and and these can be tough to to answer. Like which things to stop listening to? Which voices to stop listening to? Because the reality of it is, like, sometimes what you need to hear isn't what you want to hear. Has anybody figured this out about your life yet? In fact, the exact thing that you most need to hear is oftentimes the thing you least want to hear. And you've been avoiding it. You've been living in denial of it. But, like, you need it. Another way to say it might be, like, you know, just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it isn't from God. And I think sometimes, like, when we get information or we hear something that doesn't feel good to us and we're frustrated, we're like, that's from the devil. <laughs> that? Curse you, Devil! I reject you. I don't receive it. I don't accept it. Get behind me, Beelzebub. (laughs) And and not realizing that that voice is not the voice of the enemy. Like, it's not the, the devil persecuting you. It may just be God trying to prune you. Trying to help you. Trying to trim back certain things in your life so that you can grow and expand and be fruitful. Be everything that you were meant to be in life. And so it's... Complicated, right? Because sometimes the truth stings. So if our feelings aren't really like a reliable filter in terms of like figuring out what and who to listen to, then then what is? And I would say it's wise to filter advice by asking yourself these things three questions Is this relevant to my situation? Is this consistent with my value system? And is this likely to produce the results I want? Now, I'm telling you, just these three questions are worth the price of admission today, okay? Some of you are like, isn't it free? Technically, but it was worth every penny. (laughs) Right? Like, these three, I would write this down. I would run every piece of advice. Because sometimes the advice you're getting is just like, that's great advice, but has nothing to do with me right now in this situation, okay? I'm not fat, Grandma. I'm husky. And if you eat twice as many low-fat snacks, they just equal a full-fat snack. I'll be honest, Grandma. I've done it. I've done it. I'm doing it. Is this consistent with my value system? Right. This is a great piece of advice if you don't care about these things. But I do. And so that's not going to help me. And, like, man, this is great advice uh, you know, if your life is structured this way, or if you have access to these things, or if you have this type of personality, but like that is not going to produce the results I want in my life because I'm a different person. And, and, you know, even if you have this filter, though, which is enormously helpful, it can still be difficult to sort of discern between, you know, what is unhelpful and what is just uncomfortable. And so I want to just illustrate this by, by looking at a story in the Old Testament. It's in, um, the book of Job, and it's a, a story about a guy named Job, and uh, and so we're going to be there. I want to just look at some highlights, uh, and to give you a little bit of backstory on what we're about to read. This is one of the oldest pieces of literature that we find in Scripture, according to like like date of writing, right? And um, you know, scholars are actually torn over whether or not this is a real thing that happened or whether or not this is like the stories Jesus tells in the New Testament is a parable, uh, an elaborate poetic parable that's put in here to kind of describe some really significant things. But um, it's the story of this good godly man who is healthy and he's wealthy, his life is great, and Satan asks permission to test him by taking away his prosperity to see if he'll turn on God. And, and God is like, okay. And so things get pretty grim, guys. He starts losing all this stuff in succession, right? And he loses his wealth. He loses his property. He loses his money. He loses his children, of which he has way more than anyone should. And his physical health starts to deteriorate. And in the midst of this lowest possible moment in his life, he gets visited by a series of people, all of which... Want to give him some advice. And I want to just sort of drop in on this story in some of these spaces. In the first place is Job chapter 2, verse 8. And this is what it says. It says, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Now that is one of the most depressing sentences ever written. I've been, I've been in some dark, depressing places. I have never been scraping my skin with an old piece of pottery sitting in the ashes crying, right? That's, that's some darkness right there. And it's in this moment that, in verse 9, it says his wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, she's a very encouraging woman. <laughs> but Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman! Now, this is just a fun reply. Someone says something that just seems ridiculous. You're like, you, you're talking like a foolish woman. I just think you should do that. Now, I, this is tough for a lot of reasons. I, I think maybe you can imagine yourself in this moment, um, even if you're not married, I, I think there's, there's still a connection here of like, it, it's tough when the person who's supposed to be the closest to you doesn't seem to have any compassion for what you're going through. And that's heartbreaking because in, in our darkest moment, we want the people that we've aligned our life with to sort of gather around us and to, to comfort us, have compassion on us. And that's not what's happening here. And part of the reason, I think, is because she's in pain, right? She, she has lost almost as much as him. Her health is still intact, but the children they had together are gone. The life they built together is gone. The wealth they built together is gone. She's like she's lost so much, too. She's hurting, too. And sometimes we're so steeped in our own pain that we respond really poorly to other people's pain. You ever get so wrapped up in your own darkness and the own heaviness of your own life that somebody, <clears throat> somebody else is going through something, and you know how you should respond, but you don't because you're hurting, too? And that's what's happening here in the midst of this exchange. And this doesn't happen because she's a bad person. It happens because she's in a bad place. And I want to draw your attention to this because I think it's easy when somebody gives us bad advice, somebody isn't compassionate in a moment, somebody pops off to us and does something dumb, right? We're like, they're a horrible person. But it could just be that they're not a bad person. They're just in a bad place. And I love that he makes the distinction here. He doesn't say, you are a foolish woman. He doesn't pass judgment on her identity. He says, you are talking like a foolish woman. Do you hear yourself? The things that you're saying are not consistent with who I know you to be. You're not yourself right now. You're not making sense right now. So it's not going to be healthy for me to listen to what you have to say right now because you're not talking from a place of health. And he draws a boundary right there between the two of them in that moment. He doesn't say to her, like, our relationship is over, but he does clearly say, like, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way anymore. And some of us may need to do this in our lives. It's tough to do, though. But I got to tell you, like, just because someone made the effort to hear you out doesn't mean you're obligated to act on their bad advice. And sometimes we feel like maybe we should, we ought to. Man, they sat there and really listened. They leaned in, they cared. And so I ought to take what they said under advisement. Not if it's foolish. And here's why some of us get confused and we stay entrenched with the wrong people for way too long. Because they're the only ones listening. And it feels good to be listened to. It feels so good to us, in fact, that um, we we, we can sometimes think, like, maybe it's worth whatever it costs us, but it's not. In fact, I would tell you, being listened to feels so much like love that some of us don't know the difference. In fact, because we don't know the difference, some of the people we rely on to hear us are the ones who are hurting us. And we listen to them because they're accepting, because they're listening. But it's not helping. You see, love doesn't ask someone to compromise their character. And that's what she's asking him to do in this moment. Curse God and die. Why even hold on to your integrity? Because it's all I've got. It's the only thing I can control is my response my values, holding tight to the things that mean something to me. And you may have to have these conversations with the people in your world that are like, listen, listen, it's not, they listen to you and then they, they want you to do the things that they want you to do. And we feel like, "Ah, oh, I should, because they're, they're, they're so supportive. But you don't have to give in to their bad advice. I mean, just take that home with you. I mean, you work here, it's practically yours anyway. They bought it for you. What does it matter if you're using it here at your house? I'll help you load that copier into the back of your car, right? And you're like, whoa, I don't know. That doesn't feel right. Listen, you should sleep with me even though you want to wait, even though you don't feel like you're ready, even though you don't feel like it's right. And if you don't, this relationship is over because what's the point? Hmm. Just because someone's listened to you doesn't mean they have earned the right to tell you what to do. It doesn't mean that their advice is good or healthy for you. And this is what happens in this story. People that listen to Job give him these lectures that, that, that want to take his life in the wrong direction. It says this, Job chapter 2, verse 11. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he'd suffered, they got together and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. And when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. He just looked so emaciated and sick. And that never happens to me. Like when, I, when I'm going through bad stuff, I never lose weight. How do you get that gene? Okay? I always just, I supersize. You know what I mean? It's just, I inflate. People are like, did you get stung by a bee? I'm like, I'm just sad. I'm just sad lately. Sorry. They see him from a long way off. They scarcely recognize him. Wailing loudly, they tear their robes and they threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. It sounds weird, but it was a cultural way of grieving. Uh, Then they sat on the ground next to him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that he was suffering in a way that was too great for words. You ever suffered in a way that was too great for words? You were in such a dark place, there was no way to describe it. There was no way to go into it. People tried to get you to talk, and you're like, I don't even know. I, I, there's no, I don't know. What the, there's nothing to say. I don't know how to say it. And they're smart in the way that they intuit this, and they just sit with him. They pick up the visual cues that he's not doing well. They cry with him. They weep with him. They sit with him in silence. They mourn alongside him. And that's what good friends do when you hit rock bottom. Just, they know enough just to be with you. They know enough to just, that there are some moments where you just need to be quiet. It's comforting to have someone there in your presence. And this is smart because when we, when we try and heal people before we hear them, it, it's hurtful, not helpful. And you've experienced this in your own life before when you were really going through something and someone dropped in on your life and they were just like, Oh, man. Well, what you need to do is, right? And they immediately start giving you advice. And you're like, you, haven't even, you don't even know what's going on. You haven't even heard the situation. You haven't even let me tell my side of the story. You haven't even let me get all the feelings out yet. You're trying to like just skip me to the end. And that's not even the main thing I'm looking for from you. I want to be heard. We end up doing more damage. We end up hurting them instead of healing them because we didn't stop to hear them first. And they do. They sit with him for seven days in silence. But they couldn't just leave it there. <laughs> right? They, they were like, I, I sat here for seven days. Now I got some stuff to say. In fact, they had a lot to say. Okay. And, um, and the, the rest of the book, like the majority of the rest of the book, is full of these long, drawn-out lectures they give him about what they think uh, you know, is happening to him, why they think it's happening, what they think he should do. Here are a couple... Glorious highlights from this, okay? Job chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. This is one of his friends talking. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. So, you are like, this guy he needs to get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Think about this. Like, why aren't you so excited that you are suffering? You should be so happy that God is correcting you. Because I don't know what you did, but it was something. You got. You had to have sinned so badly that God is punishing you, and you're like, thank, just be like, thank God that you're punishing me for doing the horrible thing that you did, that I don't know what it is, but you got had to have done something. And here's what's crazy. He didn't do anything. We know that from the way that the story is set up. So the assumption is, is incorrect. These people drop into his life and give him advice based on assumptions, not information. Don't you love it when people do that. I don't really know what's going on with you, but um, I do have thoughts. Hmm. I've read this to you before in week two, but I'll just read it again because it's it just. It's amazing, and I think it bears repeating. Proverbs eighteen two: Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. I don't, I'm not interested in understanding what's going on with you or how you feel or what really happened. I am only interested in hearing myself talk about what I think is going on and giving you my advice. And these guys, they listen to them at first, but then they make a conscious decision To stop listening and start lecturing. It's almost like they get to this place where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, time's up, all right? We are done hearing you whine about your feelings, okay? Here's the issue. What you need to do is, right, and they launch into their thing. And oftentimes this will happen, like, when, when people are uncomfortable with other people's emotions, they try and solve or explain away problems rather than listening to the person and letting the other person feel what they're actually feeling and talk their way out of the hole that they're in oftentimes if people are giving long enough and asked critical questions uh, we are smart enough to stumble upon our own solutions now naturally these guys don't do that and i'll tell you this if you're going through something dark right now, your pain isn't an invitation for someone else to prove their point. And if you have someone that's attracted to your life where they're just like, they don't wanna listen, they don't wanna hear it, they just want to like use you as an example to prove something, it's probably not a healthy voice for you to be listening to at that moment. They go on to say this, Job chapter five, verse 27. They tell him, we've studied life and found all this to be true. The thing that we know is not true. Listen to my counsel and apply it to yourself. And this is essentially, let me just decode this old bible language for you. Here's what they're essentially saying. Listen, I know a lot of stuff about life and the world, okay? I've had a lot of experiences too. And, you know, I feel like I know what's going on with you because something similar happened to me one time. And so I feel like I know, I know you just lost your wife of 50 years and all of your children. But I had a cat once for a couple months, and it died. I mean, I don't know if it died. Maybe it ran away. It's probably living somewhere else happily, but I feel like I feel you, man, like in here. And, you know, since all people are basically the same, and your pain probably feels exactly like my pain, it probably is like the same sort of thing, and so whatever worked for me should automatically work for you because all people are exactly alike. That's what they're saying here. And unfortunately, like this, this sort of thing that's probably happened to you is so common, there's, there's, a, there's a term for this, right? Um, for this sort of thing of like, oh, oh, you don't need to tell me anymore because something similar happened to me and I, let me launch into my thing. It's called a shift response, okay? There are two different ways that we can respond to people when we are Listening to them, when people are sharing things with us about their life. There's what's called a shift response, which takes the situation about you and makes it about me. And don't point to them if they're here, but you know people who do this. You're like, yeah, man, it was a really tough week. and Oh, yeah, I had a tough week too. Oh, man, here's what's going on with me. And you're like, I didn't even tell you any of the reasons yet. right? Another way to do shift responses is like, so... What do you like to do? And you're like, well, I like, because what I like to do is I like to, why did you even ask me? Why didn't you just say, I'm going to now spend 45 minutes telling you what I like? Why did you pretend to ask a question at the beginning? Just threw me off. People who are like, listen to your story and they're like, okay, that's crazy because I have a story that's like a little bit better than your story. So let me just tell you that now. It's a shift response. It shuts people down. It makes people feel unheard. Then there's what's called a support response, which invites you to tell me more about what's going on with you. I would tell you this. People who leverage support responses in your life are probably your favorite people to talk to because it feels like they're really listening to you. They're hearing you. They're getting into your world. You tell a story, and they're just like, what? And then what happened? (gasps) What'd you do? Oh, my God. Seriously? Wait, okay, time out. What were you wearing, right? Like, we love this, right? Because it's like they're getting into who we are and what we think and what's going on with us. And this is oftentimes what we need, especially when we're going through really dark stuff and they don't do this here. We we actually know statistically that good listeners leverage support responses way more than shift responses. We all do both of them. But I wonder which you leverage more of in your close relationships. Finally, because there's all these shift responses and they're not really listening, they're not really helping him, he interrupts them. And and he, and he says this in Job chapter 6, verse 28, he says, look at me, would I lie to your face? Stop assuming my guilt, I haven't done any wrong. Do you think I'm lying? Don't I know the difference between right, and wrong, Job is now angrily defending himself against all these fa- false accusations about why his life is falling apart. And, and I hate this when this happens in life. And if you're like me, you're probably looking at these people tempted to hate them too. But I gotta tell you, like, <clears throat> because we all have people that do this in our lives, those who talk and talk without ever taking the time to listen, they're not as evil as they are insecure, anxious, and oblivious. I think a lot of times we can assume motive when people are not responding to us in the way we need in the moment, and we're like, oh, they're just a horrible person. And I I really don't think that that is often the case. I think more times than not, it's that they're insecure, and they fill up the insecurity by trying to, to talk and seem intelligent, seem smart. They're anxious. They're filling the stillness and the silence and the awkwardness with like like more talk and more questions and and more things to say, right? They're they're oblivious to what you're going through because they're not really great at reading emotions or reading other people. And so they just don't understand what you need in the moment. They're not picking up on it. And I think sometimes when we don't realize that this is usually where people are at, we assume they're evil and It can fuel hatred instead of, like, understanding when people aren't responding the way that we want them to or the way that's helpful for us. Like, somebody in your life, their tendency to lecture you, I think actually says more about how insecure they are than it does about how interesting you are. This is why they drone on without ever stopping to support, to listen I wonder if you notice this in this story. You notice that, like, none of these people, if you were to read the whole book, and maybe you just want something to do later on this afternoon, you could go through and do that. But I'll just summarize for you. Like, none of these people offer to help him. Like, none of these people offer to get him medical care. They don't, like, they're like, why don't you come crash at my place for a while? It seems like you're really going through some rough stuff. None of them are like, why don't I give you a loan? so that you can get back on your feet, restart the ranch, maybe get a couple of goats. I mean, it's not much, but, you know. Nobody even says, like, listen, I mean, this dark scraping your own flesh with pottery in the ashes, it's sad. Like, here's some wet wipes and, like, some fresh pottery. Like, it's not, again, it's not much, but it's like, that pottery is seen its scraping days. Like, maybe it's time to rotate the stock." Nobody. Nobody does any of these things. Nobody offers the help at all. Instead, it's just like, I don't know what you did, but you did something, it's your fault, and you're on your own to fix it. And and here's the reason this is a problem, is because we don't just need to be heard, we also need to be helped. We need both these things in our life. We need to be both heard and helped. If you have people that are just listening to you, and then you're like, now what? And they're like, oh, good luck. That's not helpful because we, we do actually, after we have been heard, then we do need help. And if we have people that are just trying to help without hearing us, oftentimes like our emotional needs aren't being met and so we push off that help. But if we're just being heard but there's no help offered, then we're just stuck in those feelings and there's no possible way to ever move forward. And we just end up going around in circles. And I'll tell you, like, nobody can fix your problems for you, but, like, you know, if they're not willing to help you get a handle on your situation, like, if they're not even willing to point you in the right direction to show you where you can get help, it may not be a healthy connection. When your life falls apart, you you are going to have to do a lot of work to put it back together. But it is not work you can do alone. It's work that you need help to make happen. And Job knows that these voices in his life are not helping. And he tells him, so this is what he says, Job chapter 16, verse 2. I can't, I mean, he listened to them 10 more chapters longer than I probably would have. I'll be honest with you guys. He says this in verse number 2. I have heard all this before. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? Man, if you guys spoke Old Testament, you would know this is like this is a slam right here. This is really getting into it. What makes you keep on talking? I could say the same things if you were in my place. I, I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try and take away your grief, and instead, I suffer if I defend myself, and I suffer no less if I refuse to speak. Job is saying, like, you're saying things to me that I would expect people to say to me who didn't know me, but you do know me. And you don't have any answers for my pain. And so you're making stuff up. It's hurting You feel like you should say something, and so you're saying the worst possible things. It's not helpful. Sometimes the best thing to say is just the honest truth of like, I don't know why this is happening. It's painful. It's it's nonsensical. I I, want to say something. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you, though. If you want to sit, I'll sit. If you want me to listen, I'll listen. If you want me to help you with something, I'll do anything that I can to help. If, if it's possible, I'll make it happen. They don't say any of this. And at this point, Job is just like, listen, I cannot sit around and listen to you guys anymore. It's not healthy for me. You're not necessarily bad people, but you're putting me in a bad place. The combination of you and me is not good for either of us right now. Some of you are thinking, like, at least he told them. Some people just, like, ghost you, and that's it. I don't know if you know this, but there's been, like, a, a ton of sociological research now on the phenomenon of ghosting. And what we're learning is that, like, being ghosted is one of the most brutal things that can happen to a person emotionally is both brutal and unhelpful. What's actually healthy is to couple with a disconnection from someone a simple, honest explanation. You know why we ghost people? Because it's so, easier than, it's so much easier than being honest. right? Okay? So much easier than owning our feelings, than owning the situation, than drawing a boundary. But we injure both them and us you know what it's called when you are ghosted without explanation? Abandonment. And abandonment is one of the biggest fears in people's lives. It crushes them. Drags things back up for them. Some of you are like, well, <laughs> I don't want to tell them because the, the simple, honest explanation, like, it may hurt their feelings. Probably will. May, they may not like it. They may not agree with it. They may be angry at it. You're probably right. Some of you may need to take a friend with you to have that conversation. But if we're not starting from a place of honesty, there's no way for us to have the information to grow and to improve. We're grasping in the dark. Maybe you're thinking like, okay, I got you, like just... You need to stop listening to certain people. And I, I just, I got to tell you, I do. I don't listen to anybody. I mean, like, as soon as anyone says anything I don't like, I'm like, blocked, done, hate you, right? It, that's what I do. That's my style. And that's not what I'm saying. Because the only way to actually grow and evolve as a person is to listen to, to people who think differently than you do. And sometimes that's going to get uncomfortable. But your growth requires you to face that discomfort in your life. What I am saying is this. If you're regularly listening to something that's making your attitudes and actions less like Jesus, that voice doesn't belong in your inner circle. And I know maybe you're thinking like, well, but I thought we're supposed to love everyone. You are. You can be kind without being close. And with some people, You should, you should exercise kindness to them without being close with them because you can't handle them. When the two of you are together, when you listen to their voice, at least in this season, in this moment, in this situation, it pulls you in the wrong direction. It's not necessarily that they're a bad person. It's that the two of you are a bad combination at this moment. Be kind without being close. And I wonder if you were to do some reflecting on your own life this morning. Like, I wonder, is there anybody in your life speaking into your life who makes you less healthy? Whose words cause you to doubt yourself? Whose, whose, whose voice chips away at your core values? Who's dismissive of the things that you Care about and feel called to, who makes you feel like you can't be your real true self around them. I wonder if there are voices in your life that, like when you're around those voices, you find yourself being a different person than you really are, to just fit in. You find yourself walking away from those moments with a level of regret. Maybe you find yourself lying to other people about what you did with them when you get back from being with them. I would say these voices are not helping. And it may be time to stop listening. There's this proverb that I want to leave you with as we wrap this series, Proverbs 13.20. It says this, Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. What is it saying? That when you listen to wise voices, in your place wise voices in your inner circle, you begin to take in those words, those ideas, and, and those things begin to make you wise. But even when you're just hanging out, you invite into your inner circle and you're just kind of spending a lot of downtime with people who are talking foolishly and acting foolishly on a consistent basis. It doesn't say that you might begin acting foolish, too. It just says just being in their orbit is going to make parts of your life fall apart. Beware. It's not that like, you don't need to love them. It's not that you don't need to care about them. It's not that you shouldn't encourage them to, to, to be a part of what God is doing. It's not that you can't serve them in some way. It's that they're not healthy to see in your inner circle and allowed to speak into your life on a regular basis. We need to listen in a way that will help us to be educated but not degraded. And if you have voices in your life that are consistently degrading you and tearing you down as opposed to opening your eyes to who you are and how you are and helping you become even better, more like Jesus in the way that you think and act. I'm telling you, This long-standing proverb becomes the guiding light of the decisions that Job makes. It becomes the guiding light of the teachings of Jesus about who and what to listen to and not. And I'm telling you, you will become like those you most listen to. Be selective about those voices. Would you bow your heads today with me across this room? I want to pray. This into your life. God, I am grateful for the life that you have given each of us. God, a lot of us grew up in a lot of environments where we heard a lot of things and we attached to a lot of the the wrong kinds of wisdom. And it's taken a lot for us to try and turn things around. God, it's only through your love and your guidance your investment in our life that is making a difference. And God, I just pray that you would help us to hear your voice as the loudest voice in our life. And I I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know which voices to pull into the inner circle and which voices to be kind to without being close to. God, there may be some social media accounts we need to delete. There may be some podcasts we need to take a step back from listening to. There may be some friends we need to uninvite to the table. And there may be some, some people that we need to invite a little closer, that we need to spend more time around. There may be some places we need to spend more time in. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to do so, so that we can be wise. So that we can get the most out of our existence. So that we can be proud of the people that we have become and the lives that we have lived. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.